suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I've Learned While Learning Other Things. Hi, I'm Joe Morahan and along with my brother JS, we're going to try to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate those high seas of life. Today, we introduce the icing of Ted Williams, part two, and I promise to get to the definition of icing quickly. But as you probably know by now, if you listen to any of our earlier podcasts, of which there are 101, there seemingly is a need to talk about other stuff to bring perspective to our discussion, in this case to the man whose various nicknames included Teddy Ballgame, the Splendid uh, Splinter, uh, the Thumper, the Kid. Ted Williams was the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball history. That's not just my opinion. Willie Mays considered Ted Williams to be the greatest pure hitter he had ever seen. He also said that the best hitter he ever saw was Stan Musial. But I'm going to make the argument that Ted Williams, despite all the acclamations that were ever afforded to him, remains simply the most underrated great hitter in all the long history of Major League Baseball. And the reason he is underrated is because there are legions of little people that had a chance to get him, to stick it to him, to put him down, and to deny him that which he earned. Deny him his rightful place and awards, you know, awarded to the greatest player in baseball history, in baseball lore. And it was so undeserved of them to do so. I mean, it proves the validity of Lord Acton's axiom that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely the little people. They did not do right by the great man that was Ted Williams, the greatest baseball player ever. And why? Because they could, as I am going to demonstrate. I I also realized early on um, that there is an obligation on my part to define the term icing someone and the little people, and I will do so in just a moment. But first, for you, for you baseball uh, sports enthusiasts, a blast right out of the chute. Ted Williams arguably is the greatest hitter the game of baseball has ever known. He was arguably as great, if not greater, than the legendary Babe Ruth. Now, I know, I know that's, that's saying a lot, I know. But like the great country singer Tammy Wynette, a mother at 14 and a grandmother at age 29, I stand by my man, Ted Williams. I am, I am willing to admit that... I am theoretically, like a Jesuit, willing to take either side of the debate. Was Ted Williams or Babe Ruth the greatest hitter of all time? And I could make the argument on either side with fervor. But when the English language is altered by adding your name as an adjective to a dictionary to describe an achievement, you really 
just gotta be something, something great, i.e. an achievement defined as being of Ruthian nature or proportion. A pretty strong argument in favor of Babe Ruth. Or, or a more modern example, perhaps, you know, someone potentially possession, possessing Jordan-esque talents. I mean, every sports fan alive knows the meaning and implications of an achievement defined as either being Ruthian in nature or Jordan-esque in stature. So this sort of thing inclines in Babe Ruth's favor. But Ted Williams was arguably as great as either of these two Zeus-like figures in the pantheon of American sports heroes. He was either the greatest or the second greatest baseball player in the history of Major League Baseball. And if you don't agree with that, you know, with this judgment that he was one of the two greatest at least, then I believe you either don't know baseball or how to define greatness. Uh, you need to medicate yourself or seek psychiatric help for uh, relief of of one of three conditions that you suffer from. You are racked by jealousy and envy that cripples your ability to make sound judgments, or you seem to be enduring the ill effects of some perversion due an advanced case of uh, like a Napoleon complex, or you're a, you're a member of the little people. The little people being defined as the Baseball Writers Association of America. We move on to those small people, these, these Jonathan Swift-like Lilliputians whom you know, are imbued with humanity's wildly excessive pride in their own puny existence, their vainglorious, smug, envious, jealous individuals as individuals and as a collective body of greater men and their only power the power of revenge, the power to punish. And they re they relish this perverse power. It's an ugly condition, which it is which is why it is considered one of the seven dead deadly sins. So in an in a twist on the old Mick Jagger dagger, please allow me to introduce myself. We are men of wealth and fame. We are members of the Baseball Writers Association of America. We can twist the knife of fate. Okay, sports fans, to quote the great Santini, this is where we go all Newton's Principia Mathematica on you. Let the numbers speak for themselves, and they will, in, in favor of Ted Williams and to the detriment of these little people, the Baseball Writers Association of America. After each Major League Baseball season. That feared institution of little people, the BBWAA, votes to acknowledge the most outstanding player in each of Major League Baseball's two leagues, the National League and the American League. The winner is honored, and he is the recipient of the most valuable player award, the MVP. And it is in 1942, 1942, this is where we witness the first icing of Ted Williams by these Lilliputians, supposed experts, the reputed intelligentsia of the absolute philosopher kings on all things baseball, esteemed judges in the art and science of America's national game. 
They must assess which player had produced the best season, was the most valuable player in each league, and in this case, the American League. And while there are hundreds of players in the league, all of whom are eligible for the MVP, just assume, as was the case, the list of candidates for the MVP award came down to two players, as it must, no matter the potential delta in their performance, somebody has to be number two, and the two sort of finalists for the MVP award in 1942 were Joe Gordon of the New York Yankees and Ted Williams of the Boston Red Sox, the other candidate for MVP. And the BBWAA put their collective heads together to determine just whom would be the winner of the most prestigious honor in all Major League Baseball, the Most Valuable Player Award. And these BBWAA members began to assess the 1942 season now that it had concluded. The performance of these two most talented players, the statistics are there. They're there for comparison and thoughtful analysis by these esteemed BBWAA club members. This is an assembly of men so in love with themselves and and which such an esteemed group of men had not been seen to have been assembled since Louis XVI had gathered his minion of ministers in the Hall of Mirrors at the Palace of Versailles. I mean, that's that's how esteemed this group was. And they were and they were going to reflect on the situation in 1789 France. <laughs> and, and, and in that situation, let it be noted, shortly thereafter, wacky Frenchmen stormed the Bastille, which led to the beheading in 1793 of Louis XVI, along with Queen Marie, let them eat cake, Antoinette, whom was guillotined in the same gruesome fashion as would be its inventor only a few years later. But of course, I digress. As is true with earthquakes, some thought exercises defy predictable outcomes. And so the Lilliputian BBWAA members began to analyze, scrutinize, compare, and contrast, and measure the relative statistical performance of Joe Gordon versus Ted Williams in the 1942 season. They couldn't, as Chris Berman of ESPN would say in so common a refrain five decades later, let's go to the videotape. There was no videotape, but they sure had reams of data to peruse and assess. So let the ciphering begin. In a teaser alert, let the mood be first established you know, you know, sort of along the lines of, as it turns out, my acceptance of the heroin addict's invitation to party may have been a case of poor judgment. Or if you prefer, trouble is defined as the place you arrive at when judgment has malfunctioned. Well, idiots often find themselves in this neighborhood. So we go to the numbers. Contrary to Mark Twain's assertion that these these, these damn statistics do not lie. So here we go. 
Batting average. Who had the higher batting average? Well, Joe Gordon batted 322. Ted Williams, 356. Advantage Williams. RBIs. Who had the most RBIs? Well, Gordon had 103. Ted Williams had 137. Advantage Williams. Well, who scored the most runs? Well, Joe Gordon had 88. Ted Williams, 147. Advantage Williams. Home runs. Joe Gordon, 18. Ted Williams, 36. Advantage Williams. On base percentage, Joe Gordon, 409. Ted Williams, 499. Advantage Williams. Extra base hits, Gordon socked 51. Ted Williams, 75. Slugging percentage, Joe Gordon, 491. Ted Williams, 648. Advantage Williams. Total hits, Gordon, 173. Ted Williams, 186. Advantage Williams. Total bases, Gordon, 264. Ted Williams, 338. Advantage Williams. Bases and balls, Gordon, 72. Williams, 145. Advantage Williams. Williams led the American League, the entire league, in all 10 of the most important offensive categories that are calculated. All 10. Joe Gordon, hmm, none of the above. Well, batting average, runs scored, home runs, RBI, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, total bases. You, you get the picture. Ted Williams led in everything. Oh, yeah, by the way, Joe Gordon did lead. I'm wrong. He did lead the American League in one category of offensive statistics. He struck out. He struck out the most number of times, 95, of anybody in Major League Baseball. And to top it off, the absolute rarity of the brilliance of the Ted Williams 1942 season is best demonstrated by these statistics. It has been a quarter of a century since any major leaguer had achieved a triple crown season. And Ted Williams did it in 1942. He led the league in batting average home runs and RBIs. And in the history of baseball since 1910, 112 years, only eight American League players have achieved a triple crown season. And just for the record, Ted Williams would do it again in 1947, meaning only six American leaguers not named Ted Williams have achieved a triple crown in over a century. So, of course, having witnessed such history, being experts on the intricacies of baseball, understanding the game of baseball in ways we simple fans could never understand. The esteemed little men of the BBWAA, the Baseball Writers Association of America, voted as the most valuable player in 1942, Joe Gordon. Why? Because these little men of the BBWAA were the definition of tiny little men. They didn't like Ted Williams because he refused to kiss their ass. In response, those little, tiny little members of the BBWAA showed Ted Williams in an, in an expression my friend Steve Pleasa once used in a conversation with me to describe something my father, whom loved really big, thick steaks, had done to me, stating, Joe, 
He showed you who's got the meat and the tiny male members of the BBWAA, that small coterie of mean-spirited, self-anointed power freaks abused their authority. And contrary to the dictates of logic, fairness, and their duty of trust as arbiters of excellence on behalf of the game of baseball, its players and its fans especially, these undeniably untrustworthy members of the media showed Ted Williams and the world, just who had the meat. <sighs> Experience demonstrates most every man invested with power is capable of abusing it to carry his authority as far as it will go. And as with the crime of murder, the first murder is always the hardest by far. After that crossing of the Rubicon moment, every death proves easier to commit than the one before. And as the BBWAA members had screwed, iced, that's the definition, they iced Ted Williams, if you will, the year before, 1942, uh, they had iced him already in 1941, at least based on some rational evidence. And so 1942, to screw to ice Ted Williams was easier, even if their vote was completely indefensible on any logical grounds whatsoever. It was completely and totally irrational, can never be explained or justified. So now let's look at that 1941 season where the BBWAA first iced Ted Williams. Batting average of the two finalists. Joe DiMaggio, 357. Ted Williams, 406. Advantage Williams. RBIs, DiMaggio, 125. Ted Williams, 120. Advantage DiMaggio. Run scored, DiMaggio, 122. Williams, 135. Advantage Williams. Home runs, DiMaggio, 30. Ted Williams, 37. Advantage Williams. On base percentage, DiMaggio, 409. Williams, 553. Advantage Williams. Extra base hits, DiMaggio, 84. Ted Williams, 73. Advantage DiMaggio. Slugging percentage, DiMaggio, 643. Ted Williams, 735. Advantage Williams. Hits, Joe DiMaggio, 193. Williams, 185. Advantage DiMaggio. Total bases, Joe DiMaggio, 348. Ted Williams, 335. Advantage DiMaggio. Bases on balls, DiMaggio, 76. Ted Williams, 147. Advantage Williams. Williams led the American League in total in seven of the 10 most important offensive categories. He led the league in batting average, run scored, home run, slugging percentage, OPS, total bases on base percentage, and bases on balls. DiMaggio led the league in two categories, RBIs and total bases. DiMaggio had a record-breaking 56-game hitting streak. It's never been done before or since. Ted Williams batted 406, 49 points higher than DiMaggio, and no one has batted over 400 in the 71 years, 71 seasons following. So while there exists the smallest of rational arguments to be made, while Joe DiMaggio, for Joe DiMaggio's winning the MVP, it is very, very hard to argue against Ted Williams.
Hadn't he absolutely dominated the American League in almost every aspect of hitting? Well, in almost every statistical category? Yes, he did. And in comparison to DiMaggio, Williams dominated him in all but two categories. And where Williams fell short of DiMaggio, it was just a bit short. But the BBWAA denied Williams his MVP in favor of Joe DiMaggio. And once denied, unfairly, no doubt, iced in 1941 by his lack of favor by the press, the second icing in 1942 was indeed easier to swallow for those losers in the BBWAA. And while there existed not a single performance statistic in favor of Joe Gordon over Ted Williams in 1942, as, as, a, as a baseball fan, it's just embarrassing to think the game is adjudicated by such cowardly, mean-spirited, gutless, supposed authorities as are the members of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And then we wind up with this. Opposing pitchers and age didn't cool off or ice Ted Williams. He left the game with a defiance that had marked his career. At age 41, he still batted 316 in his fourth decade of major league play. And in his final at-bat, isn't it fitting that he that he would hit a towering home run? I mean, to to end his career. I mean, how good was this guy? Well, he was simply the best hitter Major League Baseball has ever seen, and it, that I am likely to see in my lifetime, and that may be whoever lived. Now, I end this with a suggestion that you may want to listen to part three of the icing of Ted Williams because we're going to go in a whole different direction. It won't have a lot to do with his talent, but it sure is freakishly interesting. Thanks for living. Thanks for listening. And have a nice day. Bye-bye. <laughs>
the mirage of the deserts I misread all the signals I never knew that I'd been lost I thought goes from way back in my past never knew how much it costs Just a drop of rain and a thunderstorm Another grain of sand on the beach A blade of grass on a mountain field Another car on a shower street Mistakes, just things that I've done I can tell and I've broken the heart Can she forgive me? Can she forget? Can she keep us from falling apart? I hope that she knows that I'm Just a drop of 